0: The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org this episode of punk rock hr is sponsored by the star conspiracy the star conspiracy is the b2b marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions for more information head on over to the star Hey everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome back to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Anot Giz. She's the founder and CEO of Papaya Global. Papaya is a unicorn company, and it was co-founded by Anot after she saw the technology gap in global payroll. The company combines her twin passions, technology and global HR, to reinvent global workforce management for the modern age. What I love about today's conversation is that we talk about Papaya's innovative software, but we also talk about the landscape of payroll and what it truly means to run payroll in your organization. So if you're interested in what's new and next in the world of paying people and how to keep the data safe and how to make sure you're compliant with all of the changing regulations across the world, sit back and enjoy this conversation with Anat Gez on this week's Punk Rock HR. Hey Ana, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Well sure, before we get started, would you please do us the honor of telling everybody who you are and what you're all about?
1: Sure, so I'm Anat. 42 years old, the mother of three great kids, and a founder and a CEO of a company called Papaya Global. We are a global workforce management platform doing everything on the global payroll and global payment side for multinational organizations.
0: Well, you know, a lot of people don't think payroll is very sexy, but you are the CEO of a unicorn company. That's correct, yes?
1: Yeah, that's correct. And I'm the first to say that this is not sexy. It's a very, very boring industry. It's a very compliant industry. It's not a cool industry, but you know, it's the fundamental of every business. Payroll is the biggest expense, biggest liability, and eventually the biggest commitment that you have towards your employees. So this is what we are here to solve.
0: Well, these are important issues. They're the backbone, the infrastructure of the workforce, right, of organizations. Can you tell me where payroll is and where it stands at the end of 2022? What's the industry
1: like? So I always say that, unfortunately, there are two things in life that are not getting more efficient, and it's payroll and airport lines, because (laughs) they are both kind of being led by governments. And we need to be completely honest. Payroll is not about somebody doing a job and getting paid by the employer. It's about employer paying an employee. And having said that during the payroll cycle needs to facilitate quite a lot of processes that the government, ask them to facilitate. Because in reality, nothing that you are doing on the payroll side, aside from paying the actual payment that you set with the employee is related to the company, right? Taxes, deductions, benefits, health plans, and so on. So so, unfortunately, I was a bit more optimistic when we started. I thought that government will take it as a personal kind of goal to make payroll simpler. And COVID completely changed this. So, COVID actually made things much more complicated because government wanted to protect employees better. You know, they wanted to assure that they have access to better services, social security, severance payment, and so on. So, the level of complexity in payroll during COVID increased probably in about 50 to 70 percent in the world, which is crazy if you think about that, because this is a recurring business, recurring process that you need to do with every single employee on the ongoing basis. And it's just the time for that increase and increase. And this is why I said it's very similar to airport lines, which we all kind of start seeing very long airport lines after COVID, right? And we couldn't understand why. But this is the same reason, because the amount of tasks that needed currently to perform on every single passenger just increased. I mean, checking your COVID certificates and so on. And it's kind of the same symptoms of outsourcing government tasks to So where we are in payroll in 2022, quite a lot of complexity, a lot of legislation that is just piling up. And from our side, a lot of investment in technology and efficiency and assuring that we can take all of those complexity and make it seamless as possible to our clients and eventually globally.
0: You know, one of the interesting things about the payroll industry is that it's both HR tech and fintech. It straddles the line between the traditional HR department and the CFO. There are so many constituencies just within a business that are involved in that. Do you see payroll more aligned with HR tech or more aligned with fintech?
1: It's a great question. Definitely fintech. Yeah, you think so? Why is that? The employee is aligned with HR, but if everything goes smoothly, this is a pure finance process. If you have problems, that's going back to the HR because you have an unhappy employee and then HR steps in. But the complexity, the payment, collecting the data, eventually processing it, that's a pure finance eventually process. So HR is kind of responsible to bringing the employee in and to set the fundamentals, right? I mean, signing him on the contract, but once he's been onboarded to the organization, that's a pure finance process.
0: Is this true in all countries? Because papaya is global, right? And so I think here in the United States, HR just wants to have ownership of payroll. And they would argue that it's still fundamentally an HR process. But I can see how in other countries where there's even more complex regulations, you know, more constituencies, it may be more financially driven. But I think the average HR lady here in the United States would say, oh, no, no, payroll is mine i don't know what do you think about that
1: so i think it's changing honestly because it's becoming so complex as we said before that nobody wants to have this liability payroll is mine but then you need to spend 5 10 20 hours a month just to check legislation that's to check individuals kind of data and so on so nobody really wants it and if you're looking on growing organizations payroll manager is becoming a profession and i think that this is a profession that unfortunately it's very hard to learn, so you don't have almost any kind of formal certification currently processes for payroll managers. You have for accountant, you have for other jobs in the organization, but payroll is kind of in between. And it creates actually a lot of problems because it's a very, very big need. One of the great person that works at Papaya always said that every company needs to have a chief payroll officer because honestly, this is the most important role in the organization. I agree with him that payroll eventually has his own kind of form. so. You need to assure that payroll is being done correctly. It's a full-time job. So, I mean, if you're looking on that, when you have payroll managers in the organization, they always sit with the finance, not with the HR.
0: Well, that certainly makes sense to me. You know, I love this idea of a chief payroll officer. It's so funny, though, whenever I talk to anybody with any specialties, they're like, oh, we need a chief employee experience officer. We need a chief, you know, process management officer. But chief payroll officer is fascinating. And I just wonder, what are the skills that would be required to do that job? so okay now we are talking
1: first i think this should be a very analytical person because in reality the problem in payroll is that every individual has different aspects of data that is streamlining to the payroll on a monthly basis right you took a day off i mean you took a maternity leave i mean you are off for other occasions and so on variables items expenses and so on and everything has its own complexity so you need to have the ability to manage this data at scale and have very kind of analytical approach of how how do you manage this process structured? The main issue with payroll is that you always create a bottleneck, right? I mean, pay date is the same for everyone in the country, so it's not that you can spread the word around the month. I mean, you always have this bottleneck. Along with your analytical skills, you also need to have a very strong people skills. Because in reality, and this is kind of the future chief payroll for me, this is the person that is able to take mainly the younger generation, I would say kind of a younger employees, and explain them how they can transform their payroll into better financial decision, how they can create more savings, what taxes are, what benefits are, and so on, and eventually kind of educate them quite a lot about those things, bring better benefits plans to the organization, bring better way to utilize buying power that the organization has towards the employees and the payroll. So for me, payroll can become a main source of benefits in the organization and actually can define quite interesting relationship between employee and employer and retention uh, level.
0: Well, that's really interesting to me because I wouldn't have thought of a chief payroll officer, even conceptually being someone who can really leverage an organization's buying power for better benefits or leverage an organization's financial literacy programs and really get higher utilization rates. But what we're talking about is optimization, optimization of this process. And I just wonder, do you see that as a trend? Is this happening anywhere among your clients?
1: So yes and no. I think that the first thing that we see as a trend is the needs need to have a dedicated person to payroll. This is not a part-time job of someone and also they need to have better tools because I always say that if you have 100 people in the organization, you can still manage your payroll cycle with an Excel sheet. If you have 1,000 people, I mean, you can, but you're gonna have quite a lot of stress involved. If you have 5,000 people, I mean, you need a better process to automate this. It's impossible to do it. I mean, just on the manual kind of side of things. So we do see the need for understanding payroll strategy and for understanding payroll technologies. I think that payroll technologies is actually kind of a new and in the rise currently. We are very proud to be part of this industry and to lead technology and innovation in payroll. We are investing a lot because to your question before, we see payroll platform that needs to be accurate and eventually be measured on the same KPI as a financial system. We want to assure that when you are logging into your payroll system, you get the feeling that you logged into your bank account, not to the HR system. So this is really kind of what is driving currently the needs in organization and also the people and, and what organizations are looking for.
0: You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about how payroll is often assumed to be a technology, a platform. But I wonder if you have any statistics around how many people are using Excel spreadsheets and how many organizations actually have a payroll system? Do you have any data on that? I would imagine that more people that we suspect are probably just managing it in a general ledger or Excel. I don't know. What's the data around all this?
1: Yeah, you are not far from the reality. Let's say the following. I've never met yet an organization that is 100% managing their payroll on a software aside from Papaya because we use our own product, so it's easier for us. But in reality, the payroll, mainly when you're working globally, globally, a currently environment is so chaotic that in the average, we see between 20 to 30 different providers of payrolls and data streams to an organization. So there are definitely Excel sheets involved. There is currently a very big problem and kind of data breaks between different systems. So the data flow between HCM to payroll to ERP is not good enough because you have a lot of value that are missing, so a lot of data that needs to be collected manually. And eventually, yes. I mean. There there is always these excel sheets along the way that somebody is collecting and validating and importing in and and exporting out and so on oh my goodness what a nightmare
0: well I think about how there are so many different providers out there who are trying to be that single unification source or sell people even if that's not true right they claim to be that single source between the employee record and payroll and your performance management system and your you know manufacturing system and all of this they claim to be that Does that exist? And is that papaya?
1: So papaya is trying to be very focused and global, okay? Because the global has different challenges. If you're trying to be one tool to serve all on one territory, that might be possible. Having said that, I mean, I think that if you'll ask people in general, even in the US, what do they think about their payroll experience, the majority of them will tell you that it's not great. So from our perspective, we need to create the flexibility, we need to create an environment of customization. Because the problem with payroll and the problem with personal data, that you have a lot of layers. I mean, if I'm trying to create a solution one fits all, that's probably going to be a very limited solution that will require quite a lot of adaptation. What we're looking on is just creating an infrastructure that actually can adapt to everything that you have in your organizations, because you can have people working in shifts, you can have unions, you can have variables items, you can have equity that you want to process, you can have non-taxable benefits, you can have so many different payroll items that needs to go and be processed that really create a very complex environment. So I think that the secret to that is not looking at it as a solution that eventually the client need to adapt, but uh, and as flexible infrastructures that can adapt to the client need.
0: You know, as you were talking, I started to think about all the employee data that you are collecting, as well as company data, and the issues around security and being hacked, which are very real. And, you know, just a year ago, we had a major hack happen over at Kronos. I wonder, can you talk to me a little bit about security and the need to stay on top of the cybersecurity industry to make sure employee data and company data is protected?
1: A lot of time, I mean, people are surprised to hear that our second buyer currently is actually the chief security officer in the organization and not the CFO and not the HR because eventually payroll or payroll data is the most sensitive data to the organization and a leak of data can create a huge damage to the individual, to the organization. I mean there are tons of obviously risks that are involved here. So we are investing a lot. I mean we have a full team in house. We're investing a lot in assuring that we are meeting all of the privacy requirements, that we are meeting all of security requirements and it's a never-ending job. It is what it is in technology. is why we always say that we are first and foremost a technology company. 50% of our team will always be technology because you cannot just build technology or build a product and leave it as is. With today's risks on the cyber side and privacy side, that's a constant working process that you constantly need to develop and maintain. And yeah, I mean, that's part of the challenges. And this is why we believe that eventually infrastructures, payroll infrastructures are very important to the organization. I always say that from my perspective, I mean, having strong payroll infrastructures, Is even more important than having strong IT infrastructures because if your email is down, that's not significant event as you are not being able to pay people on time, as you mentioned, like uh, last year event.
0: Yeah, I think if the email is down for the day, employees are generally happy. Same thing with chat, (laughs) but if their payroll (laughs) is down for a day, that is a nightmare. Absolutely. I just wonder what it's like to sell to a chief security officer, because I know the profile of like a chief HR officer, a CFO, but what's a modern chief security officer like? What are their concerns?
1: So their modern concern is basically about understanding How I mean, first, I think that this is a very non-rewarding job, right? I mean, if you get 99% of the data correct and you have one mistake in individual payroll, it's being escalated directly to the CEO. Everybody kind of go and blame you why you had mistakes in this individual payroll, because for him, you you were 100% wrong. So first, hug your payroll manager, your chief payroll officer, they're working very hard. Honestly, this is one of the most non-rewarding jobs in the organization, and I truly admire people that are doing it cycle over cycle, although they know that. They know that they will always get the blame when things are currently failing. And things can happen, I mean, from various reasons. But I think that having the ability to create kind of very good monitoring, understanding how do you track discrepancies, how do you track compliance, right? I mean, you don't want to miss pension funds of someone, you don't want to miss any single kind of payments that needs to be deducted, I mean, that can create quite a lot of debt. Damage or kind of uh, challenges to an individual level. Having able to kind of consolidate data very well if you're not using sophisticated tools. So I think that eventually having able to have data center or BI center or, I mean, a tool like Papaya where you can cut and extract data and understand the total picture. I think that in reality, if you have a good chief payroll officer or a payroll manager in the organization, as a CEO, you are able to get very quick decision on a real-time basis. And this is actually one of the most valuable data source that you need to develop in the organization.
0: Well, as I think about your journey to be the founder and CEO of a unicorn company, right, a company with over a billion dollars evaluation valuation, I just wonder why you do what you do. How did you come to find that this is the thing that you were meant to do at this phase of your life? Like, why are you here? What was it about this job and this industry that made you say, yeah, I want to tackle this problem?
1: Yeah, so I have to be completely honest. I didn't think when I've been asked, what do you want to be as a grown up that I said, ah, I want to solve the payroll problem of the world. No, that's definitely was not the answer. I think that as a lot of things in life, I've been accidentally dragged into that. I mean, my first job was at a company that did holding projects in Africa and I was fascinated by taxation and relocation and mobility and how do you get it worthwhile for to relocate people from the US or from around the world to developing countries? How do you create those incentives? But also, how do you balance taxes and everything that they need to know to do? Because it's a very complex process. And then from here to there, I started my journey in this world. I I started with a relocation and global mobility company. And then just by accident, a small company at the time called Waste asked my help to settle their uh, team in China. And I said, what's going on in China? I've never been in this part of the world. And I was fascinated by China. And I was even more fascinated by, at the time, the race of Western countries to China and to start developing businesses there. So this is where I started understanding their challenges. And it was not not on the relocation side any longer. It was actually on the fundamental side of how do I employ people here? How do I pay them? I mean, I don't know if you ever saw a compliance and legislation of pay in China, but that's a, that can be a scary experience. Quite a lot of flying items. So this is where I started actually my second company and it was all about global employment and how do we make it happen. And I found it fascinating just the ability to tackle an immediate problem that a company have and to find a solution for them and to be an enabler for their global growth. And this is where, you know, I fell in love with this job. I think that eventually when you are learning a lot about payroll, you also understand that a lot of macro trends and micro trends in the world that actually you can see them and are reflected on payroll on quite a lot of global changes and so on. So I like it. You know, I'm fascinated by your global experience and
0: particularly about your profile because you're 42 years old. You're like a zenial. You're in between generations. You're not quite Gen X. You're not quite a millennial. Right. And you uh, mentioned that you're a mother of children. So what do you see in the workforce around generations and the changing nature of the demands of work with your unique perspective?
1: That's a good question. I think that, you know, starting 2020, I think that the mixed messaging around us kind of confused everyone. And I think that we started this decade with messaging of, you know, you can choose wherever you want to work, how many hours a day you want to work, where from you want to work, everybody needs your skills. I mean, you know, you're on a high demand and so on. And we are here currently in the end of 2022 you know with quite increasing unemployment rate with quite a lot of layoffs happening around us and with completely different messaging you know stick to your chair come to work assure that you are bringing value and I think honestly that this is kind of bringing people from one side to another and it's very hard for them to understand what's going on and mainly for the younger generation I think for them definitely they want to see kind of a quicker outcome a job you said that I'm in between generation I think that the one thing that I always say that I used to be a professional swimmer when I was a child. And I think that everybody that did professional sport has this kind of understanding and the small kind of memory, how we invested hours of our time just to improve milliseconds in our personal record. And this is very, very different from what you see currently in the world of work, right? I mean, people are not investing hours of their time just to do things correctly or, or to get to the level of excellence that you want them to achieve. So I think first that, I mean, if I'm looking on the global world, work from anywhere is a dying trend. I mean, I'm sorry to be, you know, the person that is spoiling some people's dreams, but I think it's very hard to manage an organization when you have people around the world in different time zones, different locations, and they're not meeting each other, they're not working as a team and so on. We see more and more the shift to global hubs, which I think this is a great trend. So if you want to work at a company and they have 10 different hubs, you can choose where do you want to work from? But you still need to come in the morning to an office that belongs to the company. You still see your colleagues from the same organization, which is very healthy. I was very worried in the beginning of this decade about statement like we won't see any employees ever again. I mean, we all going to work remotely. I think that we don't value enough the human interaction, the collaboration aspect of things and how we learn from each other just by seeing them around us. I mean, you cannot learn from someone when he's training you over. Zoom or kind of remotely. So I think there are a lot of trends that are currently, you know, going from one direction to another, probably going to find the midway between those. And it's definitely an interesting decade, you know, it doesn't seem that we are at the end of the interesting times.
0: No, no. I mean, it is a blessing and a curse to be where we are today. That's for sure. I mean, it is challenging for many. You know, I'm so grateful that you spent a little bit of time with us today talking about payroll and trends and your own perspective. If people want to learn more about you Anna
1: where should they go Well, it depends what they want to learn. So, I mean, you mentioned before I maintain a a blog. I have a few blog posts in Medium and our website speaking about my personal experience as a founder and a mother of very young children and kind of combining my motherhood and my uh, entrepreneurship journey together. So I try to share the challenges and to speak very openly about things because I think that this is very important. A Twitter if you want to follow me there. So that's also an option. And obviously, I mean, I have quite a lot of professional kind of blogs and so on in a Papaya Global website and around LinkedIn. So I'm all over the place, I think.
0: Well, I love it. We will make sure to include all of those links in the show notes. And thanks again for being a guest today. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Hey, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Punk Rock HR. We are proudly underwritten by the Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Punk Rock HR is produced and edited by RepCap with special help from Michael Thibodeau and Devin McGrath. For more information, show notes, links, and resources, head on over to punkrockhr.com. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR.